Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. And he would have gladly filled his stomach, Scripture said, with the pods that the swine were eating, because no one was giving him anything to eat. So we study how a shameless request leads to a shameless rebellion. And all of that, as I told you, pictures the irreligious, rebellious, immoral Sinner, the very kind of person Jesus was associating with. The people who were treated so badly by the culture, who were scorned and made outcasts by the society, they were as bad as bad could be. Amen. This young man demonstrates someone who's gone as low as you can go, all the way to the bottom in a Gentile country, living in an outrageous and immoral way, ending up not only taking care of the pigs, but becoming one of them, eating the pig slop. In the Jews' eyes, this is as bad as it gets. You cannot get any lower. So he ends up destitute and helpless. Now, at this point, I've laid all that foundation to get us to the point where we can read the scriptures today. Glory to God. At this point, the father begins to re-enter the story. Because in the mind of the son, he starts to think about home. He starts to think about his father. And we go from a shameless request and shameless rebellion to shameful repentance. We see that in verse 17 as we begin to talk about the Father. Verse 17, But when he had come to his senses, he said, How many of my fathers... Now, let's stop right there for a second. All of a sudden, his father comes to mind. I'm sure he had done everything prior to that to make sure he kept his father out of his mind while he was indulging himself, but now left with nothing, destitute, in a famine, dying of hunger, sitting with the pigs in the pig pen, he comes to his senses. And he, has, he begins to have a conversation with himself. 
And what he says is this, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread while I'm dying here with hunger? You see, this is where repentance really begins. It begins with an accurate assessment of your condition. It could be financial. You've incurred so many bills, there seems like there is no way that you could ever recover. And you accurately assess your situation and decide, you know what? I don't need this. I'm going to begin going to church. I'm going to tithe that the bills get paid, so be it. If they don't, I'm going to church and give to God. I'm not living this way anymore. I'm going to begin serving God. When you have a heartfelt decision of that magnitude and you follow through, then there may be a couple bills that don't get paid. And then God begins to honor what you're doing. And it all works out in the end. Glory God, I'm not going down that road right now. But it begins with an accurate assessment of your condition. That's really important for the worldly sinner, for the progeal, for the wasteful, irreligious outcast to come to an honest assessment of his own or her own situation. He knows he's in a situation for which he has absolutely no resources to get out. He knows he's dying of hunger. And no one will give him anything. And he's losing the battle with the pigs for what they can eat. So it's the end. And all repentance begins, as I said, with this honest assessment of where you're at. Destitute, helpless, no resources, even impending death. So he begins to think about his father. And how many of his father's Hired men, his father's servants, have more than enough to eat while he's over in this distant land dying of hunger. Now that says a lot about the father. And this is where we start to learn about the father. So let me tell you a little bit about what was meant to be a hired man. The Greek word is mystos. A hired man was a day laborer. Not a household servant, but a day laborer. You see them around town sometimes, don't you? Standing on a corner, waiting for somebody to come along and give them a job for that day. Even today in our society, all around the world, and all through history, it's been that way. They are at the lowest level of society. They're basically poor. They are the poor who are willing to work, who need to work. And everybody who was poor in these days, in biblical times, had to work. Day workers hoped somebody would hire them. They were, for the most part, unskilled. Although some of them may have developed some skilled craft that they would do if they were hired. But for the most part, they were just unskilled workers who were available to help in the harvest or to do something that was temporary. And therefore, just earn a little money to survive. <laughs> now, the boy remembers that his father paid them a fair wage, more than enough. 
That's to say he remembered the hired man had more than enough to eat. What would you say about his father? He was generous. That's the word that comes to mind. He remembered that his father gave them more than they generally needed to survive. His father was loving. His father was good. His father was kind. His father was generous. You see, hired men were even protected by the Old Testament law. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 13 says, The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. In other words, if you hire somebody today to work, and he eats on the basis of that work, and that money sustains him and his family for the day, you have to pay him the day he does the work. And the father was not a man who... He was a man that not only did what the Old Testament law said, but it's evident he did more. And this comes into the mind of the son. And it's very important that his father's not a hard man. His father's not indifferent. His father's kind and generous and good. And he knows his father well enough to know that he's merciful and he's generous, and he's a forgiving man. And he has all of this knowledge because it's been revealed to him in the revelation of his father, which he had when he was back home. And he begins to think he doesn't know anybody else like that. He doesn't know anywhere else to turn to. Now somebody might say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Brother Bob, wait a minute. I mean, he would expect that his father having been so totally disgraced and dishonored in the village by such a bad request from such an ungrateful, good-for-nothing son, he would be in shame and embarrassed and dishonored to the point where you wouldn't want to go back to him at all. Well, you see, he knows his father better than that. Amen? He knows his father's not vengeful. He knows his father is merciful and generous. Now, hired men in that day were not slaves. Slaves lived with the family. They were part of the family. They were not necessarily paid any wages. Typically, they were just supported. The food was given to them, medical care. They were part of the household. So if you were a slave, you worked in the family, and they provided your food, your lodging, and took care of all your needs. Maybe a little pocket money every now and then for discretionary things. Hired men were lower than slaves. They had nobody caring for them. They were on their own. They were the lowest of the low. But they still received wages. And those wages, believe me, were given at the discretion of the man who hired them. Do you remember the story Jesus told about going into the marketplace in the Gospel of Matthew to find some people to go out and work in the harvest? Then they first found some at six and some at nine, some at noon, some at three. He took them out, didn't negotiate at all what their wage would be. Remember that? Except the first ones. The ones who came at six, nine, twelve, three, all received what? One Daenerys, the same wage, because of the generosity of the man. They were not in a position to negotiate. Day laborers did not negotiate. They took what they could get just to survive. 
But this was a generous father. All the people who heard him tell the story would have processed all that I've been sharing with you. They understood this type of society and what each person's position was in society. But now the son, this wicked son, he's ready to go back to the father, to go back to this man that he knows to be merciful, generous, compassionate, and kind. And he's ready now because he has no alternative. He has nowhere else he can go. All he can do is humble himself, face his shame, admit his sin, admit he disgraced the family, go back and try to be treated with at least the same kind of mercy and compassion and kindness he knows his father gives to day laborers. And maybe, just maybe, if he can work long enough and hard enough, he can earn back what he lost and try to make restitution to the family and then have a reconciliation with his father. He's thinking the way people in Israel thought because that's the way Jesus wants them to think. Everybody listening to Jesus tell this story would have understood this. They would have all said, yep, boy, if he is truly repentant, he'll go back. He'll go back to his father. He'll confess. He'll repent. He'll be humbled. Oh, he's going to be humiliated. He's going to be scorned. He'll be shamed. But that's just, that's fair. And that's, that's what the father needs to do because of what he did to him. See, what he did was severe in an honor-shame culture. Very important to protect the honor of the old man. I mean, you just did not shame your father. That's what he needs to do. Yep, that's right. He needs to go back and needs to receive from the father whatever the father wants to give him. He needs to do restitution. He needs to be humbled and shamed and ridiculed, maybe even beaten. So they'd, have, they'd be with Jesus all the way up to this point in the story now. They would have been horrified at what the young man did. They would have seen him as an absolute outcast. And if there was any hope for coming back, he would have to come back, receive mercy and forgiveness, and do a lot of work to earn back his reconciliation. That's the way everybody listening to Jesus, including the Pharisees, would have seen this story unfolding as Jesus was telling it. He's ready, the boy. He's broken. He's alone. He's sad. He's hungry. He's penitent. He has nowhere to go. And he believes in the mercy of his father. This is a picture of someone whose repentance leads to salvation. Because you see, not only repentance here, but faith in his father. He trusts in his father's goodness, in his father's compassion, in his father's generosity, in his father's mercy. So repentance is linked to faith. He knows the kind of man his father is, and in spite of the horrible way he has blasphemed his father 
dishonored his father, shamed his father, the horrible way he's treated his father, the terrible way he's lived his life since he left, coming to the very absolute bottom, not under the barrel, or not, what's the saying, not at the bottom of the barrel, he's under the barrel looking up. Amen. He knows his father is a forgiving man and he trusts to go back and receive forgiveness and do whatever work he needs to do to make restitution to be reconciled. And the Pharisees, I can tell you, the Pharisees are in agreement with Jesus up to this point. So verse 18, he says, I'm not just going to stay here and die. I'm going to get up and go to my father, and I'm going to say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Basically saying, I've sinned against God and in your sight. I've done it in your sight as well. And I am not worthy to be called your son. So just make me as one of your hired men. Not even a slave in the house. Just make me as a day laborer. I'll find somewhere to sleep at night and just make me a day laborer. And that's all good. All the Pharisees and the scribes will say, that's right. That's exactly what he needs to do. That's sensible thinking. That boy's got, he, he's starting to come around. He's come to his senses. He had this little talk with himself and he understood that he has nowhere to go but home. He understood something about the goodness of the Father and he's ready to place himself completely at the mercy of the Father, having repented of his sins. He's going to go back. He's going to do whatever work dad says to do by making himself one of the lowest people in that village society, a hired man, lowest point on the totem pole. No intimacy with it, probably no contact with the father, not even a slave in the father's house, let alone considered a son. He has no right to, to the home at all. No right to deplete any of the family's resources any further. He's just going to work when they want to invest some money in doing something that's going to bring them a profit, not him. But he's ready. His sensible thinking then moves his will. This is how, folks, this is how repentance works. First of all, the sinner has to come to his senses and begin to really look and assess where he is and where he's headed to the inevitable death and destruction and eternal damnation of the path he's currently on. The sinner says, I can't keep going like this. There's only one to whom I can turn, and that's the Father whom I have dishonored. I have to return to him. I have to go back bearing my shame and take full responsibility for my sin. I have to cast myself on his mercy and his goodness and his love. I have to tell him I'm willing to do anything he asks me to do to earn my way back. And everybody in that crowd that day listening to Jesus would have understood that. Because it's very humbling and very, very embarrassing. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he says, I'm going to do it. I don't care. 
listen to how severe he is. He is about his his own self-indictment. He says, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Against heaven in the Greek, this word is eistu oranan. I've sinned into heaven. It could be um, another way of saying that would be my sins have piled up as high as heaven. In Ezra chapter 9 verse 6 it says, Oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to you, my God. For our iniquities have risen above our heads and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. This is the same word. He's not holding anything back. He is 100% repentant. He's denying any benefit to himself at all. That's the stuff of real repentance. He said, my life has been a total disaster. I'm facing death, and I have nobody to blame but myself. I rebelled, I disobeyed, I wasted my life, I dishonored my father. My sins have risen into the very presence of God. That's how high they stack up. This is true repentance, holding back nothing. No excuses, not trying to blame the economy, not trying to blame anybody else except himself. And so true repentance matched with the trust in a father's love and forgiveness starts him walking back home. Amen. Hallelujah. He has to go back to the Father to save himself from his own sins. Think about that. Empty, alienated, headed for eternal destruction. Every sinner who ever repents starts with the powerful conviction of his or her own spiritual condition. Destitute, empty, headed for eternal death. Every sinner who comes back takes full responsibility for that sin and sees it as an offense that rises as high as heaven. Every sinner who comes back sets his course or her course towards God our Heavenly Father, to come back. And the Jews would have understood that. That when you come back, God will accept you if you do the work worthy of repentance. He had no rights. He forfeited them when he took his part of the estate and liquidated it, then squandered it on harlots. He had no rights at all. He's worthless. There never will be a son again. This person is completely abolished from the family, considered dead. He even says, I am not worthy to be called your son. 
Just make me a day laborer, a hired man. Just give me a job. And over all the years that it takes, I'm going to work hard to earn everything, everything back that I lost. I have no rights, he says, no privileges, and I lay no claim to any of them. I don't even expect you to receive me on my terms. I'll just take whatever terms you lay out for me. You remember we talked last time. Oh, Lord, my voice. I have to excuse the frog in my voice. Glory to God. I, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Amen. Remember we talked last time about he's considered dead. They had a ceremony when he left. Remember that? A funeral? We studied that last time. That's why he's referred to twice by the Father as my son who was dead. He was considered dead. That's right. That's what he has to do. Up to now, they're generally affirming the story. Remember the illustration I used in the beginning about many closes? That's what Jesus is getting them to bite into here. They're in 100% agreement with him until now about how this is all working out. They didn't like the story at the beginning because of dishonoring the Father. I mean, that was completely distasteful to them. And they were horrified when this young man left and conducted his life that way. And they were even more horrified when he ended up with the pigs who were considered, of course, totally unclean. But, <laughs> now they're with Jesus with the idea that he's come back to his senses. They like the idea that he's starting back because they know the dad is going to have his way with this boy. There is no instant reconciliation in their minds. That's not how it's done. He may be repentant and he trusts in his father, but he's going to have a hard road to earn his way back. That's Pharisaic theology, a, a, a theology of works, along with every other religion in the world, even today. That he'll come back and say, I'll take my punishment. I'll take being excluded from the fellowship of the family. I'll take being distanced from my father. I'll endure the humiliation of lowly work. I'll take the pain of hard labor for years to come if that's what it takes. But I'll work my way back until I can be reconciled. <laughs> okay. Got to start speeding it up a little bit. Okay. He's filled with remorse for the past. He's filled with pain in the present. He's looking forward to even more pain in the future. As he works, what he figures will be for years to earn his way back. And everybody would get it because that's the way it's supposed to be done. All the glitter's off the gold in the far country now, isn't it? All the freewheeling lifestyles turned into a terrible crushing bondage. All the dreams are nightmares. All the pleasure is pain. All the fun is sorrow. All the self-fulfillment is now turned into self-deprivation. The party is over for good. For the rest of your life, there will never be another party. The laughs are silenced. All your friends are gone. I mean, it's as bad as it can get. 
He's about to die. There's nowhere else for him to go. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.